So be. We- 
are the air we breathe. We have nothing without you. We are nothing apart from you. Lord, I just thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us, that we are tattooed on the palm of your hand. This is the
we got under your love, the life, the life, the blood, the life, the blood of Jesus at the cross. I don't 
the floodgate. He is not holding anything back from his children today. If you have a need and you want prayer, just come sit up front, raise your hand. I don't care what you do. His spirit is here today to do what he does, love on his kids, to heal them. He is a good, good father. and perfect gifts on us because you love us so much, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We sent you here, God. Let us hear. Don't let anything else block out what he has for you today. God, take us into that secret place, into the holies of holies, the temple of our heart where your spirit dwells. Don't let us stay in the outer courts, Lord. We want you. We need to press in for you. That's where you are. I feel the rain of your love. I feel the wind of your spirit. Now the heartbeat of heaven. Let us hear. I feel the rain of your love. I feel the wind of your spirit.
praise you, Lord. Thank you for letting us get under your flow. Thank you, Father. Thank you for opening up the floodgates of heaven this morning. Father, as we receive your word today, let it fall on good soil, Lord. Let it take root and grow so deep that nothing can turn our head to the left or the right. We will know your truth, and we will live by it, we will stand on it, and we will be firm in your truth, Lord, because that is life, and that sets us free. We praise you, and we love you in Jesus' name. And whenever we take the offering, Lord, we pray for that too. Because we know you're in it all, Lord. And we may not follow the program the right way, but God, you're in it. Bless the offering, Lord. You know where it's coming from. Let it be given with a spirit of cheerfulness and joy as we give into your kingdom, Lord. God, that we want to see people come to you. We want to see people just find out who's their daddy, <laughs> Lord. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. At the cross where the love ran red. Hallelujah. You know, I just choose the worship.
I just choose to worship. You know, we are singing that. I like to go out of my head and into my heart. Do you guys know what that means? I tell us often we've got to do that. We've got to do that. We've got to go out of here. This is confusing. This part of us isn't redeemed in the same way that our spirit is and our inner man is. Our inner man, he doesn't know corruption. Our spirit, he doesn't know corruption. God cannot dwell in corruption. The Word of God tells us in 1 Corinthians that that God's spirit and our spirit become one. And we're going to see that with this tea and this water here in a little bit. They're distinct, yet in a moment of time they become one and the same thing. We go, go, go out of our heads. All those thoughts that roll around, what if, what if, what if. Go into your heart, the seat of your God consciousness, the place where God sits, the place where the Holy Ghost dwells, tabernacles, works from. That's where it's safe. That's where it's safe. And when I was sitting there singing those songs, I was carried away in the Spirit. In the Spirit. These are words of Paul. These are words of John. These was our church leaders. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard a knock. I heard a voice. I turned around. Wham! I was in glory. I'm glad Paul didn't say that to us. We'd go, okay, that man's got a real vivid imagination. That man's got a real vivid imagination. But since John said it, we can believe it. Right? But if John was here, would you believe it? How about if Richard says he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day? And I become aware that I was standing before the cross. At the cross, at the cross, where that love flowed red. I went out of my head into my heart. I says, Lord, I just worship you at the cross. And I became mindful. There was my Jesus on the cross. And I says, Lord, I said, this is a place of worship. And Jesus was hanging there in all of his manifested glory, in all of his pain racked body, he was there. And I says, Lord, this place is so beautiful. And guess what I did? I invited the church to go there. Why don't we all go there? I says, Lord, I bring CBC to you this morning. And I saw the throng, that's a biblical term, the throng, the group of CBC bowing before the Lord Jesus. And Jesus just didn't hang there. His arms reached down around us. We are not forgotten. Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We need the kingdom. I need the kingdom because with the kingdom comes a king. I'm not on my own. I'm not battling. Ray, you don't battle alone. You battle with the king. With the king, the creator. And God said, out of darkness he called light. Out of all of this stuff and confusion, he brought divine perfect order. I want the kingdom. Because with the kingdom comes a king. King Jesus, my Father, God, Lord, I love you. At the cross, I saw him. Last night, we heard God's in a good mood. God's in a good mood. 
I'm going for that. I'm going for that. Okay. I better lower this thing. That thing's a little confusing. Half an hour. Good. Well, we've already been worshiping. Half an hour is just going to be a little bit of the icing. We done had some good cake. Let's have some icing now on the cake. Which one's better, the icing or the cake? I take both of them. No, you can't. Ain't doing no good just to pour some milk on that cake. We need some icing because that's where it gets good. Title of my message this morning is the church, the church, a thorn in the side of Christ. That's interesting. Oh, but we're the bride. Oh, but Richard, that can't be true. We can't really be a thorn. Uh, I think we can. The reason I think we can, because at least twice this week, which I'm sure was a lot more, but at least twice this week, I was a thorn in the side of my Lord. And you'll notice when I preach, I preach out of the overflow of my own heart. I never preach. I've been preaching 20 years, and probably in 20 years, maybe two times, I ever actually studied for a message. The most god awfulest boring time ever is studying for a message. There isn't nothing more painful when you don't have nothing and you're trying to stir it up. Now, Paul did say stir up the gifts. He didn't say stir up a message. Let that hope that you have in you be ready to share it with the world. So praise God, I don't have many of them, so I preach out of the overflow of my own heart. And God pointed out, put a picture frame around two events of my life this week. And says, Richard, because I'm concerned where America's going. I'm concerned where America's going. But God showed me this week, let's take it one step further. God says, I'm concerned for my church. I'm concerned for those who are called by my name. I'm concerned because of where they're at. I was in the mall eating. I tell a lot of stories of center on eating. Did you ever notice that? I am eating my way through life. I'm glad there's going to be a big old feast in heaven. I heard one old Baptist preacher. He said, there's going to be, some, there's going to be, some, there's going to be some, 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 some beans there and some cornbread and all this stuff. And I'm like, yummy, because I love all that stuff. Okay. <laughs> no calories. Won't matter in heaven. Calories. I was sitting at the mall there at Ruby Tuesdays, right there in the front. You know where you can sit there and you can look out the little window pockets of people coming in and out of the mall? I was just sitting there enjoying the meal, me and Aaron. And all of a sudden, I saw two girls coming across the mall there. And they were pretty hugged up. Pretty huggy, I thought. And you know what I thought when I saw that? I mean, I'm like, yikes. And immediately, now I'm a believer, right? I'm supposed to have the love of the Lord Jesus in my heart. I'm supposed to have, regardless where a person is, I see the image of God on their face. You know, thoughts started coming to me that weren't sanctified. And I says, Lord, I says, but, 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 but. God says, but what about you? What about at this precise moment, Richard? What are you doing? You see what he just did? 
Man, he done flipped the tables on me again, which is what he does. He says, you don't like some of this taking place? He says, what I'm concerned about, he says, I'm concerned about you. And I'm thinking, man, that deal flipped awful quick. I'm sitting here getting some righteous indignation on, and the Lord is saying, get out of your groove, and let's look at you. And we took a look at me, and I'm like, okay. I love everybody. And then I become loving. This all happened like a split second. It's, it's surprising when God... You know what? Let me tell you something. You can tell when prayer is good. Because when you're praying, you keep looking at your watch, and it's only been 35 seconds before. Man, you ain't in what I call the flow. But when you become conscious that time doesn't exist anymore, you hit that eternity with God. Time don't exist in there. Time don't exist. Well, God challenged me. Okay. Well, this title came to me. Oh, here's another eating one. This title came to me while I was eating breakfast at Chick-fil-A with Allie. Now, remember, I was just at the mall. I was just at the mall. I'm eating Chick-fil-A. And I'm complaining to her. I says, Allie, I says, sweetie, and she listens to me. God bless her. I know she gets tired of hearing it. I go on and on and on. I say, I, I just hate the way everything is. I, I hate the way I live my Christianity. I, I read. There's so much more. I'm so beggarly. The church is so beggar. The ministries, yeah, they're good, but, but what if Apostle Paul was here? What if that aged man just, just stood here for a few minutes? What would he do? What would he say? And I'm complaining to her. And I says, you know, I says, I don't even know what I'm going to preach about. I, I don't even know what I'm going to preach about. And she's just looking at me, and all of a sudden, into my spirit, something dropped. And it was a title for this message. So I figure, okay, I got a title first, then I get message later. That's interesting, isn't it? That's kind of the opposite. But God began to move me. You know, we claim in the Christian life to live here, seated together with Christ in heavenly places. But then sometimes we live here. And then we say, oh God, where is your power? Where is the glory that the prophets have told us about? We claim to walk in our Christian life there, but in reality, sometimes we're living subpar. God's worried about his church this morning. The Apostle Paul in his day, the churches struggled with the same thing. Now I want to listen, listen to what Paul says. Ye are sure that you are a guide for the blind in Romans 2 19. You are sure that you are a guide for the blind. You're a light for those who walk in darkness. You're an instructor for the foolish, and you're a teacher for the ignorant. You are certain that you have the full content of knowledge and truth. He's talking to believers. You teach others. Paul says, I got a question. Why don't you teach yourself? I'm like, okay, maybe we don't want Paul here this morning. Woo! You say, do not commit sin, but yet you commit sin. Remember, you're claiming to be a teacher for the lost church. You, you tell them, do not commit sin. I see stuff that I think is, is bad and gross sin, and I say you shouldn't commit sin, and I'm thinking that. And, and in reality, the, the word is saying that, that you scold others while you're tolerating your own sins. 
You know, we all got our pet sin that we're okay with. If it's in somebody else, it's that big. But when it's in my life, I can't even find it with a magnifying glass. See what I'm saying? He says, you boast about having God's law, but you bring shame on God by breaking His. Now listen to this. This is a serious indictment. Because of you, those without God speak evil of God. How's that for an indictment? Those of you who claim to know God, because of you, the unbelievers who do not know God speak evil of Him. You know, the world is pointing the finger at the church, and she has a right to. And we need to stop being so sensitive. We need to stop being so sensitive when we're not buying what we're selling. We need to stop being so sensitive and find out what's the problem. If I got a good product, that product will sell. If you got something sitting on your shelf and it's not selling, either display it differently or move it off and get a new product. I think we're due for an overhaul. I think the people of God is due for an overhaul, and I believe the Spirit of God is blowing on His church, preparing us. I'm tired of this negative talk. I'm hearing all those, my Bible tells me the world's going to close out and it's all going to be dark. I know it looks dark, but what about the verses that a prophet says? There's a day coming. There's a day coming when there is going to be sin. When there is going to be sin. But there's also a day coming when it's neither light nor dark. Murky, murky and hard to see. But in the end, it shall be light. Why don't the church hear the message of God? I'm tired of churches and people moaning. What can we expect? They're saying, is the end times upon us? The end times have been upon us since the day that Jesus Christ died. That's called the last days. That was the last church age it was coming in. The last age it was coming in. It's been coming for a long time. But that doesn't mean we got to close out. Do you think that Jesus Christ Himself, purity incarnate God, Word of God become flesh, do you think He's coming back for a soiled, dirty, filthy, trampy looking bride? He's coming back for a bride that has prepared herself. Church, we need to stop being negative. The world's negative. The church has always carried the torch through the dark ages and all this. It was always the church that brought in the medicines. It was always the church that brought in the healings. It was always the church that brought hope to nations. You know, nothing could stop Rome. But what? The church. It says that, that Rome is turned upside down. I watched Rome last 700 years. They took every enemy that could come against them. The church brought her to her knees. Apostle Paul says, I'm glad because even though I'm chained, I hear that the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ has entered in even to the halls and the bedchambers of the king himself of Rome so that all men are being saved. Members of Nero's own household was getting saved because Paul says, I thank God that even though I'm bound with a chain, the gospel is not bound because in the life of the believer, it has a transforming power of God and when the Holy Ghost breathes on us, good things happen. And we don't need to force it to happen. I like churches that have popcorn socials and stuff like that. I saw a church this morning, man, if I wasn't preaching, they have 18 different kinds of popcorn this morning. I want to tell you something. I am a popcorn addict. And I got no problem with that. 
But I tell you what, we're going to need more than some popcorn. We're going to need some Holy Spirit, real stuff. Stuff they can't gainsay. Me and Pastor was just talking. You know what? We need Jesus to, to, to step out of, the, out of the fog and minister for us. Hallelujah. We are our own worst enemy. Here's another story. So God turned a spotlight on me and he says, Wretch, it's not those ladies that's your problem. It's not the other stuff that's your problem. The problem is you. Okay. The problem is me. I'm changing. Well, it's a couple days later. I'm at, I'm at Lowe's. Another test. You're in a school of God. Did you ever notice that? You don't go to second grade until you pass first. In America, you might buy your way out. They might dumb the test on down, but he ain't dumbing down in God's world. You're going to pass a test until you get it right. Now, if you're tired of taking that same test over, you've got to pass it. You've got to pass it. You're getting tired of not passing it to stop flunking. We have got to learn how to pass the test. So, God sent another one my way. Now, remember, I'm changing, Lord. I'm yours. I'm yours. And Lord knows my heart. I think that's why he's so good to us, because he knows our heart. I'm sitting there at Lowe's, and I'm coming down the aisle at Lowe's, and I spy a long line of guys there, and I spy only one lady in line here at the cash register. Well, I'm no dummy. I'm in a rush. I'm taking a short line right here behind this lady. Remember, there's another big long line that's cash register over. You know, if I had half a brain, or if maybe I used it, I would probably try to figure out why that one line is so long and there ain't nobody in that other one. But see, remember when I told y'all? I got an aversion to lines. I am totally a Christian until I'm driving in a car and there's a lot of traffic or if I'm standing in line at a store. Somehow my Christianity, I keep, I keep having to take that test over and over and over and over and over. I don't think I'm any further, honestly, than when I first started. Because them tests is coming every other day now. And you would think I'd smarten up and I'd wisen up and I'd at least sail through one of them so I say, thank you, Jesus, let's go to the next level. I crank on in there. And I'm sitting there, man, I'm just whistling and standing around and I jump a lot. I'm like this. I'm just bouncing. I'm, I'm happy in the Lord. God is good. And then I look at my watch. Yeah, it's been a couple minutes, but hey, God is good, man. And I hear a lady says, well, what about this? And I'm looking and and they're counting bolts, and then they're going over to their cart, and she's bringing back some more, and they do this. And I start becoming mindful now that I've been here a little bit of time, and everybody's moving on through that line but me. Why I didn't get out of that line and go in the other one, I don't have no idea, except that I think it was the Holy Ghost. You know, I think he can make you forgetful. I'm an average smart guy. I should have went into the other line, but I didn't. I, like, like, like dummy, I stand there. Stupid is as stupid does, they say. Isn't that how it goes? I stand there. Because, see, God's got me in school. I divinely forgot to get in the other line. And I'm commencing to watch this now. And they keep going to the buggy and coming back. Then they're talking plants. Then they're coming back. Then they're talking fertilizer. And then they're coming back. And I start going. <sighs> see, I'm a Christian. So I can't let them know I'm mad. I can't say, hey, can y'all hurry it up around here? Man got something to do. So I'm just, I'm just letting them read my frustrations as I stand there. 
You know what they taught us in auction school? My dad and brother were auctioneers. They says when you go into someone's house and you're going to buy something, they says never knock the man's merchandise. If you're there and you're, you know, people want you to come in and give them a price on buying all their household of stuff, they teach you don't go in there and look at that couch and say, man, look at the stains on the arm, man. You want how much for that? The man's going to tell you to hit the door. They says what you do is you, you use a little subliminal stuff. They says you simply walk over to the couch where the owner of all that stuff can watch you and you don't say anything about the stain on that couch. What you do is you just kind of look at it and touch it a little bit and then back off. They says what you've just done is you began to plant doubt in that person's mind of the value of that piece of furniture. Isn't that something? Then you go over to the dresser. You don't say, you just, you just rub this little bad spot right here. Just kind of rub it. Their estimation of the value of their furniture continues to drop, and you haven't even said one word. Now, where am I going with that? Praise God, here's where I'm going. Divinely, he is divinely leading me again. I was in that line. I'm a, I'm a believer. So I will never blow my horn at you in line. If I'm driving, I, I don't blow horns. I don't hang out the windows. I have a whole commentary going on inside my car. My wife says, listen to yourself. I says, but they don't hear it. She says, God does. I'm like, yeah. Thank you. My father knows my heart. Whitewash that one, man. Now on down to the next thing. I'm sitting there. Now I can't tell them, hurry up. But I can look like I'm becoming frustrated. I just become a little more intense, a little more. And I go, sir, we're, we're sorry this is taking so long. I, as a good Christian, I go, no problem. Honestly, this, no, no problem. I mean, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm. Lady turns around, sir, I am really sorry. I says, ma'am, it, it's all good. It's all good. See, that, that is my heart. But then five minutes later, I'm in serious pain. Why am I not just going get in the other line? Because God's got me in school. You got to learn how to pass a test, Richard. This went on and on and on. I bet it went 20 minutes. They say, what's 20 minutes? Let me tell you something. When you stand in there after about three minutes and you're starting to get some righteous indignation, 20 is an eternity. If you want to know what eternity is, go put yourself in an awkward situation where you're really getting madder by the second, and you will learn that 20 minutes is an eternity. Finally, she got through the line. Boy, by this time, I am wired. I am wired, man. The lady started apologizing to me, the cashier lady. Sir, I am so sorry. Thank you for your patience. I'm like, praise God. No, I'm seriously thinking, they didn't notice nothing. <laughs> they didn't notice nothing. Praise God. God is so good, isn't he? I can sit there and act totally like a three-year-old, and, and, and God is so good they ain't notice nothing. Well, I, I said, ma'am, it ain't no problem, really. Remember, I'm, I'm all Jesus, man, because now I'm moving through the line. I commenced to go out the door and go to my car. And who was loading her stuff next to my car? 
is that lady that just made me go numb and both of my feet standing in line. Guess what the Lord says? He, how'd you know? You must be in the same school, brother. He says, go over there and help that lady load her stuff in her car. I says, not today, Lord. That's exactly what I told him because I learned one thing. I had a brother, some preachers tell me already, you've got to be careful, brother. You're awful sacrilegious with Jesus. No, he ain't. He's my father, man. Ain't nothing I wouldn't tell my earthly father. And don't you think I can't tell my heavenly father? Yes, indeedy, I can. I says, not today. I says, there ain't no way that's happening. So I ignored her and commenced to putting my stuff in there and got in the car. Allie says, wow, that took a long time. That's all I needed. <laughs> all the way home, she got the full story. And the rest of that night, she got the full story. But come bedtime, see, I like to start the day with God, and I love to close it out. I love to close it out, thinking thoughts of my father, just saying, and guess what I did? I says, Lord, I says, I, I thank you that today was good, that today was good, that your presence is awesome, that you love us, God. Today is so wonderful, and God says, let's talk about lows. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, whoa, Lord. You're just awesome. See, I learned to praise God, man. When you hit a hard time with him, praise him, man. Father, you sweet. Oh, I can smell the cologne of God. It smells so beautiful. I'm pappying up to my pappy. I'm telling him how awesome he is. He says, yeah, Lowe's. I said, Lord, that was one of my, one of my off, off times. Everybody has an off day. You know, I remember Jesus one time. He never lost his cool, right? It says he turned and looked on them with anger, being grieved at the hardness of their heart. And I had to remind God that everybody can be a little <laughs> close at times. Even Jesus, my perfect example. No, 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 no. He began to rebuke me gently. Did you ever have God rebuke you? He's telling you stuff, and when it's all over, you go, I think there was a rebuke in that. He can rebuke so gently. But his rebuke isn't, you're dumb. His rebuke isn't, you failed. That's not how God does it. That's how Satan does it. That's how your own mind does it. God woos you. He said, you know what? He says, I wanted you to have an encounter. I wanted to step in to that conversation. I wanted to manifest myself to those women. He said, did you notice that one woman running the cash register? And I said, yeah, Lord. He said, what did you notice about her? Now remember, this is all happening in seconds. This talk sounds like it goes on for half an hour. It's seconds. In eternity, time isn't an issue. I said, Lord, I said, she looked tired. I said, she looked stressed. He says, you're exactly right. He says, I wanted to do something. He said, but you know what? He says, you were just too busy. He said, you know what happened? He says, as you were telling Allison lamenting the church and doing all this, he says, you're right. She does have a problem. He says, you know what, Richard? I says, what? He says, you're part of it. I'm like, Paul says, the world who do not know God is even more distant from him because of the way the believer acts. God says, you know what? He says, I created you for more than that. He says, you often preach about me manifesting myself. He said, I wanted to manifest myself. He said, I wanted to speak through you to her. He says, do you think it's happy chance? And this is why 
I'm just amazed. The reason I was stupid and didn't leave the line is the Holy Ghost wasn't letting me. We got to learn to begin to see God in our circumstances of life. I asked the ladies yesterday, God is talking all the time. He's working all the time in our midst. He's working all the time. When you go outside and creation opens up and all of a sudden you hear the birds singing, it's so beautiful, begin to worship and give glory because God is pulling the curtain back. His presence is there. Now I know when we pray for His presence to come, we know He's always here because He lives in me. But you know what? It's not just enough for me to know that Allie's in the room. Sometimes I love it when she touches me. Do you see what I'm saying? That's exactly the way it is. When I pray, Lord, come, I'm not praying that He would just come and just, just be here. He's always here. But we're praying for a touch. I want to feel my Father's touch. And He says, I wanted to touch that woman through you, Richard. Begin to see me and become aware. I heard one man says, we need to do away with the term missionary. I'm like, okay. That's a new way of thinking. He says, we ought to call ourselves tour guides. I'm saying, how does that go? He says, because a tour guide takes people around, takes a tourist, takes people, and he shows them around town of all the beautiful sights that the place has to offer because he has first already toured it. How can we show the world something that we have not first seen? How can we show the world a different life when we live exactly like them? How can we manifest an awesome God that's here when we're living here? We need to become tour guides. It says, Moses, Moses was talking to the children of Israel when he was getting ready to leave. He told the fathers, he says the truths of God must first be in your own hearts. Let it be in your own heart. Then you can tell the children. Maybe the reason the children aren't hearing us because the Word of God is not deep enough within our own hearts. Let these words Moses said to the fathers, let it first be in your own heart. And then out of your heart, where God sits, He can speak. We got it all memorized. Got it all memorized. Right? Let me tell you something. This don't do nothing. This does not do... This is for this world. With your head and your soul, you make contact with this world. You think... You reason, ow, that's hot. That's what this is for. In here is where God dwells. This is where you minister. This is where you got to go when you're facing issues of life that's bigger than yourself. You have to go to your heart because that's where God is. In here in your head, matter of fact, last evening when I was driving away, before I got down to 301, I had to title for my message next time I preach over there. Winning the war in your head. Winning the war in your head. We all need to learn how to win that war. You only win that war by going to your spirit. Oh boy, five minutes. Anyway. So God began to show me that there is a problem. The problem with America is not the folks who don't know God. The problem is the folks who do know God, <laughs> but act like they don't. We were on our worst enemy, but we can, with the help of God, become our best antidote. You hear that? With God, we can be changed. We need to minister. We need to minister out of the presence. 
We simply need to begin to live with the conscious presence that God is here. What, then everything we do becomes an act of worship. Then when I order french fries at McDonald's and I'm conscious of the presence of God, that's an act of worship. Look how holy that's just became. That is holy. I'm convinced that's just how holy Jesus was. They said there's no food. Jesus says there isn't any. Well, there's two loaves and a couple small fishes, but what are they among so many? But given to a man who lives in the ever-present reality that his father is unlimited, says, bring them to me. They placed that meager portion in his hands, and out of that come overabundance. Over, because God always overdoes. He, he, he seems like once he begins to release his, his power, he just can't stop. It just rolls out of us. That's where we're supposed to live, underneath that presence. Underneath that. Moses told God, God says, you know what? He says, I've given you this land. Go and conquer it. It's yours. Tell the children of Israel to go. Just go do it. Moses says, we ain't going without you unless the presence goes with us. And some places in Hebrew, that word presence means his face. Unless your face is set to go with us, Moses says there ain't nobody taking one step. Moses was here, and if he went through McDonald's carryout, ordering something as simple as a small order of fries would be an act of worship and holiness in that man's hands. You see what we've just done? We're just becoming seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. See, we're here, and we're looking up there. Jesus was here, but yet he lived out of here. The ever-conscious reality that his Father loves him. I never do anything unless my Father first tells me to do it. Boy, how many missteps could we save ourselves if we lived like that? Yeah. How much more better would it have been if I was standing in that line and instead of becoming aggravated, I would just stop and I would say, Lord, this is obviously a divine appointment. What am I supposed to be doing here? Man, how cool would that be? How cool would that be if I would begin to help those ladies? And all of a sudden, a word of knowledge. God would begin to say, ask her about this. Release this in her life. Do this. Do that. That little place at the counter. Heaven could have come down and sat right on that place. God says, now, Rich, because you didn't pass that, somebody else will get that. I'm still going to meet her needs. But you just won't have the privilege to have partnered with me to do just that. Ministering out of the presence makes our work and God's work one. Do you hear that? When we begin to live with the conscious reality that everything I do can be ordained by God, we begin to live with the reality of His world. Jesus has told us to pray, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done in earth 
Your will be done in earth. Jesus has told us to pray. Our Father, teach us how to pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth. In earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's our mandate. That's our job to pull heaven out of the clouds into the earth because we are kingdom movers, because we are kingdom releasers, because unto us is given the commission to go save the souls of men and manifest my presence to them. You know, we like to say this, God has no hands but our hands. He has no feet but our feet. Leave that stuff in Sunday school. Let's go do some stuff. Let's become conscious when I'm becoming aggravated. Whoa, stop. God, what's going on? I mean, even I'm smart enough to go in that line over there, and I'm not. What's going on? And find out God began to say, say this, say this, do this, do that. Or maybe just, just His presence. Maybe sometimes we don't even have to do nothing. But, but we're a lightning rod for the affection of God standing there. The lightning bolt of heaven comes down. That place that's average ground becomes a place of worship and holiness. Take your shoes from off your feet, Moses. Because the presence of God is there, that makes where you're standing holy ground. Moses shepherd, man. No, it wasn't. He was a lightning rod for the power and authority and presence of God. Now, I need to do something quickly. Then we need to be done. When I encounter people and make tangible His presence, at that moment in time, I become Him. And God becomes me. Okay, I know all of us people that study theology is going to say, okay, that don't work. <laughs> that don't work. It works in my world. When I do that, it works. When I encounter people and make tangible, make His presence become real, at that moment in time, I become Him and He becomes me. We are one and the same at that moment. God in me, flowing through me, reaching and touching those outside of me. Actually, in 1 Corinthians 6, 17, but anyone who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. We do not lose our distinctiveness. We're still very much human. God does not lose His divinity. He is very much God. But together, in one vessel, we become one like this. I'm just dying to do this. I'm a teabag. Guess who this is? Water of water, water of life. Struck the rock, out come water, life-giving. This is the power and the presence of God. Here's the vessel. This tea bag is very distinct. It's a tea bag. This is water. They're separate. But what happens? What happens to a tea bag? And what happens to water when they begin to mix? What happens? What happens when they begin to mix? Remember, God is still God. I am still me. Something's changing. Something's changing. When I become conscious of the reality that God is here, Richard's not just Richard anymore. Richard is a conductive source of power of the Almighty in the earth. And that's exactly who you are. Look at this. Now, I want to ask something. The tea bag was distinct. The water was distinct. What happens when the two mix it up? 
they become one. Isn't that true? For your spirit and his spirit are one. That's why it says go out of your head. Go into your heart. When those questions of doubt come, Jesus was so amazed that we doubted. Isn't that dumb? <laughs> we're humans. We're sp- we're so human. Jesus was amazed at our humanness. It was like a different thought for him that we couldn't trust. It was like a new thought for him that he never thought of before. How we could ever doubt the goodness of God. That, that we think that, that we couldn't become more with him than by ourselves. You know what we need to do, church? We need to start becoming aware that every day in our life and every circumstance, God is showing himself to us. We need to begin to see. I see all kinds of stuff. And there's men, man, that I read and listen to, they see way more. Just conscious. If you're tired of our mundane life, we need to become seers. Look for God in all this. Don't wait for heaven to thunder and make a loud noise. That happens rarely. God whispers and woos in our hearts. He's in here. What does his voice sound like? A lot of times it sounds like yours. Sometimes when you think you're talking to yourself and you, all of a sudden it's going better, you're not talking to yourself. Who are you talking with? Talking with your father. His spirit and your spirit become one. It would be freaky if you were having communion with this voice. And it was real irritating and distinct. He speaks in quietness to your spirit. Because the thoughts that you think, you're like, Woo, wow, that was a God thought. That idea that made no sense before that now makes perfect sense and all of a sudden your heart grabs that thing, that's a God moment. That's him communing. Where it says, let him commune with my own heart upon my own bed. Man, some of the most glorious places I have is in the shower, man. Isn't that weird? Holy mackerel, man. How is that possible? That must be. I read an article one time, Leadership Magazine. The guy says, you might think I'm stupid. He says, but my biggest inspiration from God comes in the shower. And my heart goes, wow, I'm not alone. He says, I wondered about that. He says, then I start talking to other people, and I find a lot of people have that experience. He says, what I think it is, it's the end, end of a long day. You're unwinding, or maybe in the morning you're starting fresh. You're, you're in there, the shower's running on you. Life is good. Your mind is not wrestling. You're free. God manifests. He comes in those quiet moments, that place. We complicate it. I think we need to realign ourselves. I think we need to determine right now and right here that today I am going to begin to look for God in everything that I do. Let's do that, okay? Let's stand. Let's stand and let's do that. Let's, let's, just, let's just say, I mean, I'm going to say it. That's what I want to do. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to say, Lord, you raise your hand if you want to too. I want to see you today. In everything I do, Lord, when I'm talking, I'm looking for you. You know what? 
when church is over, I'm going to be looking for you. Everything. Father, I thank you that you have not left us without witness. Lord, that means a testimony. That means a push from you that we are not alone. Father, I ask that today could be a new day for all of us, God, where we could begin to see you in every circumstance of life. The good stuff, the bad stuff, it's all the same to you, Father. There's no levels to you. This thing's heavy to us, this thing's light to you, God. They're all light. You can handle it all. I pray that you would bless us in this endeavor, Father, to turn our hearts and our mind toward what you're doing with us today. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here. I pray that they would catch the heartbeat of this message, God, that we can live in an ever-present reality that you are here. And you're not just here. You're looking to do something. God, help us to do that. Father, help us to do that, I would pray. Help us to calm our heads, go to our hearts, to the place where you dwell, God. Father, bless us with this would be my prayer. Bless us, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.